Hey, everybody. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of valleyindie.org. This is a very special episode of Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. First of all, if you're watching this on valleyindie.org, we got video. We're zooming it up. We're running with all the uh, trends and, and doing a video for this one. Uh, election day is November 3rd. I hope you realize that. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking to some political insiders, asking them to share their insights and to spill their guts about the Valley's upcoming contests. Before I introduce the panel, I just want to take a minute to read a very important message, especially in light of COVID-19 and the economic uh, impact it's having on our communities, from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. While giving back is always in season, now is a great time to plan your gift. Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action will, inspires other, will inspire others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. All right, let's meet the panel. And I got to remember to breathe. My first panelist is a 2009 graduate of Seymour High School and a 2004 graduate of the University of Connecticut, where he majored in political science and history. He served four years as a selectman on the Seymour Board of Selectmen, and he is the chairman of the Seymour Democratic Town Committee. Please welcome Stefan Bahuniak back to the podcast. Hello, Stefan. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Eugene, for having me back. It's a uh, pleasure, as always, to be here. Same here. Second panelist is an Ansonia native who is the proud mom of an eight-year-old daughter who attends Ansonia Public Schools. She's a graduate of the American University's Master of Public Administration and Public Policy program. She is the former chairwoman of the Ansonia Town Democratic Committee and was a candidate for Alderman last year in the Third Ward. She's on the advisory board of the Valley Community Foundation. She's on the board of the Greater New Haven Opportunity Industrialization Center Incorporated, and she's a member of the Connecticut Hispanic Democratic Caucus. Please welcome making her first appearance on Naval Gazing, Leslie Navarrete. Hi everyone, nice to meet you all. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for inviting Our next panelist I've known for a while now as the Derby reporter and living here in Derby. She's been on the Derby Republican Town Committee since 2001. She's been on the Derby Board of Apportionment and Taxation for more than a decade. She's currently the board's chairwoman. She ran several political campaigns for former Derby Mayor Anthony Stafari, and she served as treasurer for several statewide campaigns, including those of Themis Claritas and Dan DeBarba. She's a mother to three, grandmother to four, and she owns Snagglefoot Dog Walks and Pet Care in Derby. She's a retired computer programmer and teacher, and she is the widow of the great Tony Shefchek, a truly unique Derby public servant. Please welcome back one of the first guests to ever appear on Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast, yet I still mispronounce her last name, Judy Shefchek. Thank you, Eugene. you did perfect. All right, there I go. I got an attaboy from uh, Judy. Our fourth panelist is a West Hartford native. 
He's the Associate Professor of Political Science and Urban Affairs at Southern Connecticut State University in New Haven. He was the Chairman of the New Haven Republicans, Republican State Party Committee member, and a New Haven City Plan Commissioner. He is a frequent <clears throat> contributor to WNPR and CT News Junkie. Hello, Christine Stewart. His academic research and publications have centered on state and local politics, gentrification, economic development, as well as identity and coalition politics. He's published two political books and he served as political director for Seymour First Selectman Kurt Miller's state comptroller run in 2018. Welcome to Naval Gazing, Dr. Jonathan Wharton. Thanks so much. And thank you, panelists. I'm excited to talk about Valley politics tonight. Yeah, actually, that's it. We're done. After those intros and that ad, I got nothing else. But no, that's a that's a bad dad joke. All right. Let's talk first about Logan versus Cabrera. Uh, a race that affects uh, Ansonia Derby, a bunch of other places. I want to talk about uh, this race. It's happening in the 17th uh, State Senate District. Again, the incumbent is State Senator George Logan, a Republican challenger, George Cabrera, a Democrat. It's a rematch from 2018, which Logan won by 77 votes. Uh, in this district, as I mentioned, it's Hamden, Woodbridge, because I get I get in trouble on Twitter if I just mention the Valley Town. So I let me just do this in advance. Hamden, Woodbridge, Naugatuck, Derby, Ansonia, Bethany, and Beacon Falls. Now, uh, let me build up to the question here. I was in the room two years ago with Senator Logan on Main Street in Ansonia when the results from that last race with Cabrera started coming in on election night. And he said he was, he was surprised at how close it was. He said to his brother, okay, I was eavesdropping. This wasn't like an on the record thing, but he blamed it on uh, anti-Trump sentiment that he felt was taking away votes. People were angry uh, at President Trump at the time, according to what was said uh, in the room. Uh, but then again, Trump in 2016 won 61% of the vote here in the lower Naugatuck Valley. So my question is, this time around, Trump is on the ballot. Does Trump hurt or help Senator Logan's chances at reelection? Let's start with Judy. I don't think it affects, I think, Trump is now his own phenomena. Um, I don't think he's that closely related to Republicans. I think the new groups are for Trump, against Trump, radical, not radical. There's new groupings. Uh, so I don't think just because you're a Republican that being on the ballot with Trump necessarily hurts you or not. It uh, It's your stance on other issues. I think if you're pro-Trump and people know that, the people who don't like him, it's not going to help them much and vice versa. So I, I don't see him as a big, as far as being Republican, not as far as running and what you believe in and what group you align yourself with. Yes, that does make a big difference. But I don't think that's strictly down Republican lines anymore. There's too many Republicans that don't like Trump. Stefan Bahuniak, would you want to weigh in on this? Sure. Um, yeah, that's not my district necessarily, but I do follow it extremely closely. Um, I, I would disagree with the sentiment that Trump isn't going to affect any of these races. I think he's going to affect these races massively uh, just from the standpoint of there's going to be a lot of uh, first time or infrequent voters this year, and they're voting either for or against Trump primarily. And they're going to align with um, the people up and down the line uh, on either party. And, you know, every every Republican in the state has had a chance to, you know, kind of separate themselves from Trump, but they haven't because they understand, even if they don't like him, that it's politically expedient to stay uh, aligned with him, at least to the public. 
And uh, Jonathan Wharton, I know you're not uh, ingrained in the Valley politics to the extent of some of our other panelists, but uh, what do you th what impact do you think President Trump will have, good or bad, down ballot? Well, there's any district I know pretty well is this one. So <laughs> you're giving me a you're giving me a, a, an easy pitch on this one uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I know George Logan personally. Um, he is a very well-known brand in Hamden, and he has brought out a lot of turnout in the Valley. There's no doubt about that. The concern that I might have with him, and I think most people do, is is the Hamden turnout. Can that Hamden turnout be so significant that it could cause problems? Don't forget, he only won by 70-something votes the last time. And, and like you, Eugene, he was in touch with me <laughs> almost every hour that night when the results happened, and it was scary. We were all concerned. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, Frank Lador is a colleague of mine who I think you all know is a Hamden RTC chairman. Uh, and he works over Southern with me. We had drinks last week discussing this. Um, this is a concern. Um, and so the Valley turnout's gotta be significant enough to balance out that Hamden turnout. Going back to Stefan's point, it's very true. You're gonna have people who don't know who they're gonna vote for. That's a given in any election. And the indications are that could really be the case among young voters. Although I have to say now that we know Quinnipiac, the numbers aren't quite there. Maybe it could work out towards his favor. Uh, but I, I wonder this in terms of turnout, especially Hamden versus the Valley. It's a very quirky district with all the towns that are there. But one thing I'll give credit to George is two things. One, he's incumbent. I'll give him that you know, benefit of the doubt because usually incumbents tend to win. And two, um, he's an old brand. Um, you know, people do know and respect him. I mean, yeah, he's not the Trump guy that everything said one should be, and he's not that kind of person. Going back to Judy's main point, I think that makes him stand out. And so, uh, I, I, you know, somebody who is bilingual and who's black, I mean, you don't see that every day, uh, especially, you know, coming to represent the Valley. And so uh, don't ignore him. Matter of fact, the rumors are, and I think you all know this, is that he could potentially think about something more statewide in a couple of years. So. Who knows what the potential could be if he could be a candidate for lieutenant governor, for example, down the road. Oh, that's interesting. There you uh, <laughs> let, <laughs> let me throw it to Leslie, who uh, is very involved uh, in Ansonia uh, politics. Leslie, what's your take? Uh, and the question I, I had asked was, uh, uh, Trump's on the ballot. Is that going to help or, or, or help or hurt Senator Logan's chances at reelection? I think... Um... I definitely agree with everyone's point, particularly what Pro uh, Professor Warren said with regards to, you know, we did see, we can go by two years ago, how Trump flipped a lot of, a lot of seats in the state and winning by, you know, by 77 points is not, our votes is not a lot. And now with what is going on with uh, the national really impacting local and state politics, especially how the pandemic has been um, handled. Um, the Valley is the working class that has been greatly affected by it. And the lack of leadership that we're seeing from Logan on issues that affect working class. And honestly, Cabrera, I think, picked up his game with how he is um, campaigning. He is giving people realistic, good policy proposals and really hammering the, 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 the holes that Logan has, um, has been absent. So right now, I think the lack of leadership that is trending everywhere nationally because of, of, of the um, division um, that Trump is uh, ensuing and, the, and, and, and what's going on in the Valley, I think he, he is in trouble. I think that he needs to really um, 
give us a good reason why he should be up there now. I think like people are really looking for a public servant and how you're going to serve us. Um, because politics is government politics is really impacting the daily lives of families here, especially in, in, in Ansonia and, and in the Valley. And then uh, before we move on there, Judy, you, I, you went first, you had the, the cold open there. Is there anything you wanted to add after hearing the, uh, the other panelists talk about? Uh, no, I mean, I agree with all the other panelists, some more or less, but uh, yeah, and I wasn't saying he won't affect. My, my only point was I don't think he affects because I don't even think he affects just the GOP. I think he affects everyone on the ballot. He brings out new people who haven't been there before, lots of things, but I don't think people stand in there, even a new voter and go, well, let's see, did that guy like Trump or not? No, they're in there because of Trump possibly, but they're gonna vote on their candidates on what the candidates are about, not just if they like Trump or he's on the ballot. Or just go down, go all Democrat. I don't think people saying. do that so much anymore. No, some do, but. And then in terms of uh, the Logan Cabrera race and uh, Jonathan sort of answered this question to some extent, which is why, look, you're, you're anticipating my questions and answering them before I ask. But again, we're talking about uh, these towns, Hamden, Woodbridge, Naugatuck, and then, you know, Deer Derby, uh, Ansonia, Bethany, and Beacon Falls. On that national level, we hear about battleground states all the time. So what are the battleground towns or cities that are up for grabs in this district? I mean, Jonathan, you, you pretty much said uh, uh, Hamden is hugely important. It is, because they turn out. And they did even in that race a while back. It, it even floored George Logan. And um, it floored a lot of people, even Republicans. I don't think they expected that kind of turnout. So going back to Judy's point, um, I wonder how much that turnout will be relying upon uh, party allegiance or relying upon concerns around Trump. I think a little bit of both, going back to, to Stefan's point. I think it's gonna be a little bit of point. I, I think they could cancel each other out. And so I'm gonna be very, inter very interested in seeing the turnout among the towns. Um, if there's one town I could pick on beyond Hamden, I'm interested in Woodbridge, quite frankly. Um, I think that that could be one place where you could squeak it out. Leslie's point, I, I do wanna kinda go after, if you don't mind, Leslie. Uh, you know, I, I get what you're saying that maybe there's a void in leadership, but I will give credit to uh, you know, Senator Logan's uh, campaign staff. They've been out there door knocking. They've been very much engaged. They have been doing a lot of the groundwork to get the word out there. As a matter of fact, I have a couple of my own students on the campaign and they're giving me a lot of good in intel on some of the details in some of these towns. Maybe they're not getting as nearly as many towns as they could, but they know the, the, the places to go to. And we can't forget the one unique thing that I absolutely love about the Valley, you all do too. I think many voters assume that they might be registered to the political party and they're going to go that way. Doesn't always work out that way in the Valley. So we don't know what those results could be, especially in a district like this one. Let's be fair. Uh, and then Leslie, you are again from Ansonia. So share with us, where is George Cabrera targeting? What's the town he uh, is trying the hardest to win? If, if that's even such a thing, this might just be an idiotic reporter question, but tell us everything you know about George Cabrera, please. Well, I think what George did was really um, tactical in the sense that he stayed present even after he lost. That's big. I mean, especially in a world right now where people are tired of talking points and and people that are in, in, in leaders, they that meant a lot to I can tell you to a lot of people in the valley. Um, and 
he has staying staying presence is a biggest a big thing and and constantly going after logan uh good or bad whatever whatever way i think that that was is a smart move for any candidate that is either sort of think like if if it's a question mark right like if i'm gonna run staying present showing community communities um that you care is what they want so i think him doing already laying the previous groundwork was really really smart of him and now, um, can I say where I think he's just now going after all, like he is not leaving any, any votes out there. And I, and I mean, he, the, the do over the recount was in the Valley. So I, 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 you know, we have to put that in perspective, like he, then he is going to spend time also in the Valley, as well as how, how the professor said in Hampton, which is large, is a huge district. And we also have to remember that farmer, um, you know, that primaried him did say, put out some, some work out there. Um, and we saw how close the vote was in Hamden. So that between um, farmer and Carrera. So that speaks also on itself. Like I said, I both have great, you know, best of luck to both of them, but it is a up- uphill battle. I think there's a lot of, a lot of things that are going to, um, a lot of factors that are going to play into this and how mm-hmm. everyone has said it can go either way. It really can't. It's close. It's like a round two. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, Judy, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Were you done, Leslie? I apologize. No, I'm good. <laughs> Judy, uh, yeah. Is this, uh, what are you hearing from like Republicans in Derby or any Republicans you uh, may be in tune with? Is everybody gearing up for another close race? Uh, I think in the Valley, George is good. I think he's going to do very well in the Valley. I think the ones he's worried about are Hampton and Woodbridge. Woodbridge is so liberal, so uber liberal. Uh, And Hampton, Horky's from Hampton. Or am I supposed to call him George? I'm not sure. Uh, He's from Hampton and he's got all his union ties there. He's got a lot of of stuff going on there. So he's, he's a force. But I I, I don't know. I think he's too close to call. He goes by George. I think you know that, Judy. Pardon? He goes what? by George. He goes by George. He might change the spelling on his name. Well, I think you know he goes by George. But uh, you know what? I just realized my computer's not plugged in. So I may have to step away for a second uh, while <laughs> Stefan is talking to plug my computer in because I'm at 52%. But oh. uh, Stefan Bohuniak, what is your... I know you're Seymour. You're a bit... Uh, uh, you're literally above. You're not above in terms... And below. I am below, yeah. So what's your take on this race as an insider not afraid to... I am completely fascinated by this race. I think it's probably one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting in the whole state this year. Um, But what I will say is, and I could say a lot about this race, uh, I I think George Cabrera is going to win, and I think he's going to win a lot more comfortably than people might expect. What's going to happen is Hamden and Woodbridge will go for Cabrera. I think everybody knows that. Um, Bethany and... uh, Naugatuck will likely go for for Logan. Uh, he has a big big chance to to kind of run it up in Ansonia possibly because that's his his hometown, um, and he's going to win Beacon Falls. The interesting the interesting towns to me are Ansonia and Derby. If you want to look at it on a town by town level, because uh, George Cabrera and and I was critical of him last time didn't spend enough time in the Lower Valley. He kind of took it for granted, I think, or, or maybe he thought. Um, it was a lost cause, but I think had he spent a little more time, maybe even a day or two door knocking more, he, he could have pulled that race off. Now, what 
I think is interesting. And, and that's what I came in prepared to say that I think he put the time in. If you look back to the it's, it's like ancient history now based on everything else that we're dealing with. But if you look back to the stop and shop strikes of last year, uh, George Cabrera was a leader. He was the leader uh, on the front lines of that. And that was an issue that kind of united uh, Republicans and Democrats all over this area of the state. You saw Republican leaders of all these towns going out and supporting those those workers. And people don't forget that. And people know that he he was fighting for them. Now, what I will say, and I had all that prepared and I thought that's what was going to tip it for him. I just went back and looked at, at some numbers out of Hamden. In 2016, about 28,000 people voted in Hamden. In 2018, about 25,000 people voted in Hamden. So that's a difference of 3,000. I would expect that we'll be closer to that 28,000 number this year. And if that's the case, I think Cabrera will win comfortably. Um, he, he's going to win 65 to 70% of Hamden. And uh, you, know, you extrapolate that over 3,000 voters, that's going to, I think, give him the, the cushion he needs to win. So, uh, Stefan, you just answered my my next uh, question. I was going to ask each panelist to make a prediction. Stefan just uh, predicted Cabrera and backed it up with some I stats. Cabrera, I have him 54-46. That's my prediction. With Now, not everybody has to give us that precise, so don't feel bad if you didn't. But, Judy, who do you think? You think Logan's going to uh, pull it off? I think he can pull it off. I think it's going to be extremely close again. Um, I think some of the new people coming out aren't as – much on their side as some people think they are. So I think it's going to be very close. I think George could pull it out. I think George, the other George, uh, probably will. So you're saying <laughs> Logan, right? I just want to, you're Logan. Logan. Okay, Logan, 51, okay. 49. That's what I'm. All right. Next up, let's go to uh, Leslie to uh, give her prediction. <laughs> well, I, I agree with, uh, Judy, I think it's really a cult. Uh, it, we're going to see a recount again, most likely. I, I think that it is it is really hard again incumbent out. It's, it takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of persistence, a lot of laying down the ground. And it's to me, it's it, it's hard. I would say it's anyone. If it, it is, it's going to really be by a very a small margin if, if, if Cabrera wins. It's not going to be by a lot. A, a lot. This is very interesting. Uh, Jonathan Wharton? What's your take on this race? Who's going to win it, incumbent Professor? George, incumbent George. And let me pick apart Leslie and Stefan's points. Uh-oh. tapped on something that I, I totally overlooked. And Leslie, I'm glad that you brought out Justin Farmer. You know, I always like, you know, kind of, you know, divisions within political parties. I live for that. And we know very well what's going on in Hamden. I know she's smiling. She knows what I know. And that is... Well, for you guys who don't know, he's actually an advisee of mine, Justin Farmer. And I was the one who actually pushed him to run it in the first place to run for councilman. But I tried to talk him out of not running for a state Senate. We spoke a few times about this. Um, look, you guys know there's been a lot of shakeup in Hamden politics. There's been a lot of internal, it's not even political, it's more generational <laughs> local mm. politics. And so he really wanted to kind of get away from that and create even concerns about what's going on with the Senate race and get himself involved in that. So getting to Stefan's point, um, you know, he started lobbying and started going around door knocking places that the other George didn't go to, Cabrera. So that was kind of fascinating as a way to do it in the Valley. So he certainly knew the weakness points of that. Now, I guess the big question is, can that be unified, at least among the Democrats as a strategy plan to get those people to turn out in this race? That'll be the big question, but I will give well, it Jonathan, to you. Let's look at the results of the of that uh, 
that election between um, George and I'm Justin. Yeah, Let's, sure, uh, well, why don't we look at the numbers and see who won That's in the Valley? We should, we should take a look at that and we should see what, what the voters chose. And yeah. I love Justin. Justin's one of my favorite people I've ever met in politics. I would, you know, I would ride and die with him all day long. Um, but he got his clock cleaned and he's, it's not going to affect the race, I think, very much. I think I would I would disagree and go with Professor uh, Warren. I think Justin did was very tactical. He hit the areas where people forget the valley has like dense populations where we have minority minority votes, black and brown people, and they read and the message that Farmer was was giving resonated with with the the people of color, and I think that is the the like an, even in a national don't take don't take any vote for granted and he did not and he really upped his game and i think if if cabrera analyzed how he lost like was either lost or was really close like it was a close win in precinct which this is how yeah i feel like he should have di you know dissected it and then regroup himself if he did his homework and 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 did, and kind of took on what professor said the tactics that that farmer did and knocked those doors and registered voters, because the thing with the Valley, especially what I'm seeing in Insonia, in Derby, we're, we're getting an exodus from Bridgeport, New York. That is all black and brown voters that have not registered, that, that, ha that are, have been disengaged. If, and and, and if, you, if he really goes in there in those areas, in those pockets, I, I, that, that's how Cabrera would honestly win by a slim. So uh, that that is just how I feel. Don't take it for granted. And John, not, well, I, if, I, you might be mischaracterizing a little bit what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he's taking it for granted. I'm actually saying the opposite. I think that uh, George Cabrera has learned from 2018, and he is not going to be repeating the mistakes of overlooking some parts of the valley like he did last time. But it had to take the primary to remind him of that, didn't it? I don't think so. He was here since the day after he lost. He was at every event. Like I mentioned last year, he was leading the lines last year um, during the strikes in the Valley. Uh, he, he understands how important the Valley is, and he has yeah, since since November, whatever, 5th of I 2018. doubt that, as a matter of fact. Eugene knows I went to all these inaugurations in the Valley at the beginning of the year. I was really taking back the presence of, of George Cabrera. He was there everywhere and just, you know, discussed and engaged. But you have to give credit that Justin did pick up the slack in Derby and other places. Yeah, where he's I agree. Not, and I was kind of impressed. I, that was agreed. Jonathan, who did you pick? Who, who's your who? Who are you picking in this race? What's your prediction? Oh, incumbent George. Yeah, I would give. You it may a, have said that. I apologize. But, right, but I'm just I'm assuming that Woodbridge will turn out for him. I have to base that on that. So he's got a lot of work to do in Woodbridge. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, I mean, there, some of the points uh, everyone's raising here could be separate uh, podcast episodes uh, in and of themselves. So this is very exciting for me. So thank you for the uh, the education uh, so far. Oh, I'm going to make a prediction. I get to make my prediction. Uh, I think, again, it's going to be uh, another toss up. Uh, I think some Republicans slept in in 2018. So I'm saying tie goes to the runner. Uh, and that's the incumbent in this place by a very slim margin. But there will be recounts. I agree with Leslie and lawyers there will be lawyers <laughs> and lawyers so are, right and those recounts it's like it's yippee him and how great law firm <laughs> here we go all right uh, from, from experience it's crazy it's no one oh yeah that's right we were in that same room together it was like 110 degrees no one exactly no one wanted water I'm like are you sure it's been three hours <laughs> yeah it was yeah what a vibe all right so uh moving on to the 104th district another uh, exciting race i think here in the lower naugatuck valley derby and ansonia specifically 
Uh, here we have incumbent state rep Cara Rochelle, a Democrat, being challenged by Myra Rivers, a Republican. To me, just in my observation, uh, fly on the wall. It's sort of a classic valley race, maybe a classic race in general, where, uh, and it's, it was a Tony Steferi tactic, Judy, I'll say this, uh, where the, the challenger picks an issue and just hammers the incumbent all day long uh, on one issue, while the incumbent basically says, look, I, I'm too busy governing and doing my job and helping people. It kind of does one of these, you know, uh, it doesn't acknowledge that there is really even an opponent uh, in the race, a common tactic, I think. Uh, and I think the camp, the, the issue that uh, uh, Rivera, I'm sorry, Rivers is uh, hammering is the police accountability bill. Uh, they're painting Rochelle as anti-law enforcement. Uh, Rochelle, Rochelle's campaign is saying basically, well, you know, you're, you're purposely misleading people on what this bill does and where I stand on things. Uh, and but then at the same time, and I think this is interesting, Derby and Ansonia are experiencing a bit of a crime wave right now. Uh, Derby property crime from a year ago is up more than 100 percent in some areas. We've had a rash of shootings in Derby and Ansonia. Uh, I don't think you can point at all to the police accountability bill as the cause of what's going on. But my point is, nevertheless, nevertheless, crime seems to be on people's mind in Derby and Ansonia. So my question, will Carishel's vote on the police account accountability bill, uh, is that enough to take away votes and to cause I think what is safe to call, uh, say would be an upset if she loses. I badly worded that question. Does the police accountability bill hurt Cara Rochelle in the Valley? Let's start with uh, Leslie. Sorry. No worries, I was on mute. Um, well, we're seeing a divisive talking points, um, which is trending. It's and nationally, it's coming from the national level and it's trickling down to the local and the state. So I just wanna focus on, on the facts, not divisive points because it's really important um, to do that. The policing bill, quite frankly, there are a lot of great things from there. They're recognizing trauma that affects a lot, a lot of, a great deal of our officers with everything that's happening. So increases access to it. It, it protects them against retaliation. And I mean, what better way? Mental health is something that has been hurting our community and we have not, we don't address it in either way. So I'll, that's a huge component of it. It's critical. I think it provides $400 million in new bonding authorities to towns. So last year, if we don't remember, not last year, but five years ago, if we don't remember the body camera bill, it only passed a grant. So now we're giving more money to actual, to good, pol for good policing purposes. And then we're going and we're requiring implicit bias and training and de-escalation things. So those are, to me, those are, those are just little, three critical things that this bill does that is helping return the skill, bring balance into it, bring transparency, bring police uh, accountability into it. And that is, those are big things and that needs to be said. Um, so that's my take on that to, to be quite honest. We have okay. to, we got to steer away from that because that type of language, the anti-cop, the defunding, it's, it's hurting our communities. It's hurting our relationships that's already infringed upon that have been deteriorating the police and the, and the, and communities um, relationships. So we have to, if we look at it for at ways to better that, that's what we need to focus on. And Judy, I was going to throw it to you now. Do you, th have you been paying attention uh, to this race? And do you think uh, that bill uh, and Kara Rochelle's vote? Yes. 
for the police accountability bill will cost her votes November 3rd. No way I couldn't pay attention to this because Myra has signs all over Connecticut. There are thousands, I think, of lawn signs with Myra's face. <laughs> she has just taken, I'm interested in this race mostly to see if you put out enough lawn signs, are you gonna win? It's just incredible. And now she has a huge billboard on uh, Route 34 by the Rib Place going anti-Kara. Reed's Barbecue. Just a, a shout out to Reed's Barbecue. Reed's Barbecue. Sorry. Uh, and she's got that huge, huge thing there. People don't tend to understand the bills that are in Congress. I mean, go look at the Derby ballot and try to figure out exactly what they're proposing in the way of charter revisions. Somebody hey, that's tomorrow's podcast. That. Yeah, I'll give them I'll give them like a prize if they can understand what the frick are they trying to do. So people are just like um, Leslie says, people are taking the the easy route, the understandable route. And they see the bill and they say, oh, they're trying to defund the police. And we have a lot of police here in the valley and they don't like it. Be it right, be it wrong. It has some good in there. I also think it has some bad in there because I think it leaves the police very open to uh lawsuits and certain things that is going to scare them. Um, and I don't think it, it works. I don't think it does anything for the bad police. We're trying to get control of the bad police so they don't do those bad things more than anything. Um, so yeah, I think it does. I think anybody who is running on the ballot on the working parties, uh, working families party slot, they're going to get grouped into that. Oh, they want to uh, defund the police and it's going to hurt. I, I honestly believe it will. Steph, Stefan, I'm going to throw it to you. Sure. Um, obviously that bill has become divisive, but I think it's become divisive uh, a lot more amongst hyper partisans than anything else. Um, I think most people on the left would say that the bill doesn't do quite enough uh, in certain regards. But what I will say is that there's been so many like gross mischaracterizations about what the bill actually does. And, and I'd like to read the words malicious, wanton or willful. Um, those words have to be, you know, they have to be have been judged in court to have occurred before any sort of officer is liable for anything. And if you think that police should have free reign to do malicious, wanton, or willful acts, then we, we have to have a completely different conversation. Now, putting that aside, um, I again, I, I think it's going to, that particular um, bill, I think it does far more good than bad. Uh, for example, it mandates uh, body cams and dashboard cams on every police officer and police vehicle. I think that actually far helps officers more than the public. Um, it allows them to, you know, have it out there black and white. It's not he, he said, she said, which is obviously a good thing um, if, if you kind of take out the, the emotions around it. Um, and, and yeah, Myra has, um, has made this the central point of her campaign. Quite frankly, I don't think she has any other real talking points. Uh, she hasn't early. I think she's getting a lot of bad advice in this race, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of years of political grudges that are going into this race that are kind of outside of the two candidates themselves. And, and I'll be interested to see, see how it shakes out, but I, I, I don't see this being as big a deal as the uh, reverse campaign is making it out to be. Okay. Thank you, Stefan. And then for the final say on this particular uh, matter, professor Wharton, you're muted, sir. 
Oh God, how many times do I do that in a class? <laughs> it's gotta be. <laughs> My freshmen have to remind me all the time I'm muted. I think most people would prefer me that way. Um, I, the thing, <laughs> occupational hazard, Leslie. Um, I, I think that, you know, I've not been following this race as much as I should, um, but I am intrigued by it in the sense of this anti-police, pro-police business. Um, and certainly going back to Judy's point, what does this all mean? Uh, certainly among some of these towns. Uh, in, in many places, obviously, police funding is not so much an issue or concern, but there are issues certainly around uh, police, uh, uh, you know, abuse and, and that, that kind of issue. So I wonder how much that's gonna resonate within the district. As far as the bill itself, I have some concerns. Most people do have reservations about how far it's gone, but I have to be frank with you, I'm more concerned about how it was handled. To have this take place during a pandemic in a special legislative session, so you didn't have allow enough time to filter through what really should be done in the middle of the summer was just an anomaly. And so for me, I've been more, more concerned about what does this mean in terms of timing of everything? And I wonder, you know, to go against Myra's, you know, you know to help out Myra's opponents, at least, are they politicizing that? Are they harping on that, that it wasn't even so much her, but others who went on board with it in the first place, because they went through this so quickly. It was really taken back. It was almost like a rushing job. So I wonder if voters can recognize that. And I think we're seeing the results of this right now. Um, there's been a lot of concern just in the last month alone of people going through it, wanting to update it, wanting to revise the bill, wanting to reshape it and find a better way of dealing with it. And I think this is going to come back to haunt us um, for, for a while on really both sides of the aisle in terms of doing a better job at dealing with a bill like this and adding more leverage for towns. I think people are forgetting that this is a statewide bill and the towns want a better way of shaping this. If I may, Professor, do you believe that our state shouldn't be legislating every other year? I have concerns, in my personal opinion, I think I have real concerns as to whether we should really be a hybrid model, um, Stefan, because I, I don't think we do enough work in the springtime um, to have it where we are a part-time legislature, really technically a hybrid of having special legislative sessions. I'm not lobbying for suggesting full-time legislature, but we could do a better job at operating bills like this in a better process. That's my concern. This was done so last minute and slammed together the way it should have been. It, it could have been a better job of doing this early on as opposed to in the middle of summer. I kind of want to say something in terms of kind of like what you hit the point is that we do are a part-time legislation uh, legislature and the work I think that as a freshman that Kara has done, I, I have like almost a decade of, of experience working inside um, the legislation, I will tell you, being a freshman and getting the work that Kara has done, working across aisles, really moving that the 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 finger on or the 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 point for the Valley Regional Fire. I understand it had didn't get done, but the way she moved across party lines, got over a hundred signatures on that, has been on it, has been on the on on the transportation for the Valley. I mean, this girl has lives and breathes public servants, and that is what resonates a lot with people is that she has been everywhere and it's not just showing face but actually being an active public servant i mean in the pandemic she is working she has worked non-stop and that kind of shows in a sense it's hard and as a part-time legislator it's really hard to look and work and also worry about your campaign am i going to get elected am i not you know but she has done it with such elegance and such regalness and she is really a fighter to get a bill that she authored 
and she got it passed in with bipartisanship as a freshman, that is really impressive. So I think that Myra really has to show what, aside from the police bill, how are you going to top her relentless advocacy, her fight? He, she really put Ansonia in the map. She brought a lot of money to Ansonia, which needs economic development and to education. So, I mean, you people are looking for talking, like actual, what are you going to do for me? Especially with when you have a freshman that has done a lot, that a lot, a lot of seasoned legislators have not done a lot. Well, Gary Winfield, who you know is a Senate version of, of the bill here, was the one who obviously was one of the co-sponsors. You can't forget a copy of his freshman year. He led a lot of efforts towards ending capital punishment. And yeah. so he did that his first term as well. So sometimes you do have some lawmakers who will make a stamp and really make their names known. And I, Gary Winfield did that as well years ago. And he's done that certainly in terms of pushing this through. Mm -hmm. I just have serious reservations and concerns, and we're seeing this right now, of how quickly it has been handled and what the implications could be in terms of future lawsuits and oversight concerns. And is this really gonna solve the greater problem? To your point, Jonathan, uh, Gary Winfield is now considered a leading candidate to be the next governor. So I think yes. uh, there's something to be said for getting a lot done in your first term in the state legislature. As a matter of fact, agree. you all know, he's no secret. He is the AUP, the American Association of University uh, Professors, <laughs> the union for Ed Southern, as a matter of fact, representative. So, you know, I know very well, matter of fact, Stefan, we park our cars next to each other. <laughs> Uh, at, at, at Southern, so it, you know, and God knows we bump into each other in the cafeteria and talk politics. You should only see the cashiers and how we talk <laughs> half hour fighting it out. Uh, and it's by the way, by the way, we actually actually get along better than you think. Honestly, I think you'd be. Surprised. Oh, I'm sure you do. We're actually our offices are directly on top of each other. If we could have the FBI throw wires between us for that conversation, <laughs> you can only imagine. But we do get along well. I'm just you know, and I agree. One thing, if you want to flip it back, by the way, Stefan, since you threw it at me. I think you all know the gossip was that his name was mentioned as a governor candidate, but obviously, you know, and that was talk a couple of years ago to go with Ned Lamont. Obviously that didn't work out that way. So I don't discount the fact that he would want to be a statewide candidate. I easily could see that. I think most people do, but it makes me wonder, gee, I wonder if this is a moment for him to kind of politicize on uh, with other people who are freshmen, like maybe a certain lawmaker. And uh, let me just let, let, let's take it back to, to the politics of what's happening uh, locally in this race. Uh, Myra Rivers and, and Cara Rochelle, State Rep Cara Rochelle, the incumbent. Now, I guess like on the flip side of the coin that, that I had asked uh, earlier, uh, and Leslie sort of answered this, you anticipated my question. Uh, she is a first term lawmaker, which I mean, if, there's any, if you're ever going to knock out an incumbent, it's, of course, at the end of that first term. But she does seem pretty entrenched. It feels like she's been there longer than one term. And she has the endorsement, I notice, of Jim Gilday, who Judy knows, a Derby Republican. And an independent, which is really the independent party. Former Republican. He can't stand yeah, him anymore. former Republican. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. that okay. That's, I apologize, uh, Jim Gilday. But I also Republican noticed- with Democrat signs all over his lawn. So that's a weird Republican. Don't they call those valley? <laughs> Demo yeah, that's yeah, really. I don't know it's, what that is. It's so hard. I was just so thinking, <laughs> this sign over here, this sign over here is Joseph DiMartino when he ran uh, on Judy's slate. You managed yeah. this campaign. Uh, yeah. Joseph DiMartino on the Republican is now uh, the president of the Derby Board of Aldermen as on a Democrat, Democrat, which is over yeah. there. So that's, yeah. But uh, I noticed Kara uh, got the, she's on the ballot uh, Democrat, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
working families in the independent party. Yes. And the other people on the ballot in Ansonia, at least, that have the independent party line uh, on the ballot there are George Logan and Margaret, Margaret Stryker. So uh -huh. does that say something about uh, how she's going to do? Like, uh, in, in, she seems to have some bipartisan or, or some independent uh, support. And she actually uh, might be the only uh, Democrat in the state that was endorsed by the independent party. I'd have to check that, but that's that's what I've heard. That's what I, I think. I, I'm sorry, Leslie, I interrupted you. You said that's correct. Oh, that's what I've heard as well. Stefan mentioned that she is one of the, either one and only or very few independent. And that does speak, I think, a lot because we do have a, in the valley, like in, a, in I think in a lot of places, a, a big um, independent population, independent voter population. Not to be confused with unaffiliated voters. Yeah, exactly. I'm unaffiliated. Oh, but they yeah. tend to go unaffiliated. I, I have always seen from like from trends, unaffiliated would go independent. So Leslie, Most of them call themselves independent that's as it. opposed to unaffiliated. Yeah, that's, that's to confuse me. That's yeah. it. That's it. All right, let's. I was going to ask you guys. I was going to go around, but forget it. Let's just let's skip straight to uh, predictions because uh, we're an hour and five minutes in. You can see why I decided not to actually cover these races this year it's a lot of work uh who's gonna win uh, judy let's go with you is it gonna be cara rochelle the incumbent or myra rivers the republican challenger i imagine it'll be cara because as leslie mentioned she she works her butt off uh she's doing a good job but i think the difference between them is going to be a lot smaller than people think because again i go to the lawn sign thing this is interesting to me from an advertising viewpoint if you put up that many signs get in the right places what's the effect i think it's large so i would say maybe um i don't know 57 43. all right there we go judy okay leslie what say you oh, it's a toss-up but i think it's definitely it, again kind of like it would be slim it might be you know what i'm gonna take it back i don't know i think i really it's a really one of those interesting um Kara Rochelle, Myra Rivers. It plays with the politics in the valley. You have Democrats that are, are that 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 end up voting Republicans sometimes, and Republicans that vote Democrats. It, it plays really with the the internal struggle in Ansonia. So it's going to really, to me, it's going to be interesting. Um, what happens? Be right back. Sure. Yeah. Hey, I forgot I could turn off my video. I got up and to plug in my computer. But wait, I, I'm actually Leslie. I want to stick with you because I'm not sure I, I I got an answer from from you. Who are you predicting is going to win, Cara Rochelle or Myra Rivers? I think it's a, one of those battle, those play, the, those uh, races that you have to keep a close eye because any little thing, every every minute counts. Just because it, okay. to me, it plays on the valley priorities and the valley, the that like valley uh, politics identity, where you could have a Democrat that votes Republican. I mean, we have we have it here, our mayor with our mayor, he, you know, he, he catered a lot to a lot of Democrats. So it's going to be a really, to me, it's going to be one of those really interesting um, things and that, that that's going to happen here. Stefan Bahuniak, what do you think is going to happen in this race? Carol will not like me saying this. I will probably hear about this after. Uh, Carol will win 65-35. Landslide. Professor Ward, I don't know how closely you're, you're not following this uh, as much but, as. But let me add in a couple of points that you all have said. I want to chime in on Judy's point. Lawn signs really only lead to maybe three to 4%. <laughs> it's not that significant, unfortunately. Statistics have said that. And then as far as going to Leslie's point, I, I will say and stress this over and over again, what you're, what you're mentioning are split ticket voters. 
And that's what I really cherish about the Valley. It's not always about the party as it is about the candidate. And, and that's why I really revere uh, you know, Connecticut's overlooked region. I, I wish more people could respect that. And so it's the split ticket voters that really do decide this. I think if the Republicans were to put more money into it, I'm talking about from state central, and of course I'm no longer in state central, you know, I'm a retired member of the party now because I'm kind of useless now as an old professor just teaching. I would say, put more money into that race and politicize the heck out of what happened with the police reform bill in the first place. Now, will the state party listen to me? No, because they never did. They don't want to listen to old professor. They might as well be freshmen in a class. So I'll give it to the incumbent. J.R. Romano might be down. His parents live down the road. He might be there. I can go knock on the door. Okay. They, have, they have put some money. They have done some ad buys for that race and, and done but some they literature. put more money into it. You know what I mean. No, it, no, I know. Like real money, real money. Yeah, yeah. If they did and they did more ads, it could be a potential toss up. But I, I will give it to the incumbent just going with common wisdom. And I'm going to I'm going to also predict that uh, Rochelle will win. I think she has a broad coalition of support. But uh, keep in mind, I've never predicted anything correctly. So that's probably, I probably just jinxed that race. So you're welcome. All right, moving on. The uh, another quick state. Note, real, quick Eugene, quick note oh, yeah, for Jonathan. Ahead, quick note for Jonathan. I understand the lawn sign thing being only like a 5%, but have you driven around here? Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> I want to see is this excessive <laughs> amount of lawn signs. Will that push it further that's I what saw I myra on the that car dealership on the corner of main street myra has five signs on the exact same corner so everywhere oh i think that that's probably ken hughes yeah right right I we're, love we're, we're naming specific properties I love it. i'm telling you if i could come up with a book on just the valley alone and have a chapter dedicated to signs in the valley that would be a judy <laughs> okay. Okay. anyway that was what i was referring to is the so many of them of course. Yeah, I'm wondering. Well, I, I don't want to. I'm going. I'll go off on a tangent. All right. So let's let's move on to the uh, 114th district. Uh, this is the race, of course, to replace uh, House Minority Leader Themis Claritas of Derby. That district includes Derby, Orange, and Woodbridge, places I don't go to because uh, I don't really believe. <laughs> uh, and that's no no insult to them. I, I feel like uh, this race. Maybe it's just because I'm not covering it. Uh, is sort of under the radar. Like you don't really hear about it. Uh, like the current, I don't think, and then C.T. Mirror, uh, in terms of who's going to replace them as Claritas, I, I feel like this race is just sort of really under the radar. And the, and the candidates, by the way, uh, and correct me if I'm saying last names incorrectly, please. The Democrats are running Mar uh, Mary Wielander, and the Republicans are running Dan DeBarba. <laughs> She's uh, Claritas, of course, is very popular in the Valley. And I guess my question to kick off the conversation is, does her popularity automatically transfer to the Republican, the Barba, in this race? Or are we seeing a surge of Democrats saying, uh, get out the vote, uh, we can take this, this seat in the House? And I guess, Judy, this is probably very much in your wheelhouse because you're a volunteer on the campaign. Of I'm the, the treasurer on the campaign. Treasurer, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> are you going to lose? Uh, no. Go ahead. Uh, I don't think that Themis's uh, popularity will will transfer over because she's just a different entity. She's very well known. Um, and again, I'm going back to this, all this Democrat, Republican. I, I think that's going away a little bit. Um, so I think um, Mary Wallander's not doing much. I haven't mm. seen any flyers from her. 
very few signs. I don't believe she's gone door to door at all. She hasn't knocked on any doors. Uh, she hasn't answered a lot of questions. That may be one of the reasons the campaign seems so quiet. Is there's just not there's nothing coming from that end. Or is I mean, is this an indictment of of the the press and sort of the hollowing of newspapers, and uh, you know the inability of someone someone like me and my organization to, to to fill in? Is it is that she's quiet or just no one's asking the questions? No, she's just quiet. No, I don't think it's the the press. I mean, I could list a few things about the press that I could change, but she could admit. <laughs> but uh, I will have no, no reaction to that. She, no, not going to react. I can oh, go see, ahead. Go ahead. I I'm interrupting. Your eyebrow kind of moving. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, of course I love Dan DeBarber because I'm his treasure. This guy is just, he's working so hard. He's not done every freaking door in the 114th. And he is just so highly qualified. I don't know. Maybe Mary is kind of like coward a bit. I don't know. We, we ask ourselves when we have our meetings, like what's Mary up to? Mm, that's interesting. Heard anything. So Stefan Bahuniak, do you have any uh, insight into this race? And again, I know I'm putting you in a position where you're uh, not a the derby guy, but I, I pay attention to all of these things. Um, I'm pretty close with the uh, derby DTC chairman, Oni Malerba. So I, I have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. Uh, to kind of start with your first point, I don't think Themis Claritus has much to do with this race at all. She's not on the ballot anymore. Um, not that she didn't serve her district well for, for many years, but her the intrigue around her is more of her rank as the first, um, the potential first female speaker of the house, uh, which which didn't happen for her unfortunately. But um, her 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 statewide uh, persona is is more interesting to the press typically than how she handles her district. With that said, uh, she had won by comfortable margins for many years. Uh, Twenty eighteen was the tightest it's been. Uh, and that was Mary Wielander. Typically, when somebody runs the first time, they 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 won't win, but they will do better the second time. Uh, I think with an open seat, Mary uh, has a very good chance of winning that that race now. Particularly if you look at the towns that uh, she represents or she would represent, uh, Woodbridge is going to go big for for Mary. Um, Orange is is interesting, but Orange might be moving into that kind of suburban um, suburban enclave that's going to come out strong against Trump. And I think if, if you're going to come out strong against Trump, she might have a chance to, to pick up a bunch of votes there. So I and of course, uh, Judy wouldn't necessarily know what's going on with Whe uh, Mary Wheelander. I think she, part of that is intentional. Um, but I, I do think that Mary has done a, a lot of work this campaign, uh, perhaps a lot of it under the radar, which uh, is actually sometimes more effective. But if you get, put a gun to my head, give me a, a prediction, I would say it'll, it'll be Mary by a couple points. Jonathan Wharton, do you have any thoughts uh, on this race? And uh, earlier, are you saying that, all right, so the, a future gubernatorial ticket is going to be George Logan, Lieutenant Governor, and Themis Claritus for governor? Is that what we're seeing? Not going that far now. Now, don't put words in my mouth. Oh, see, sorry. See how the press is? <laughs> no, the, the, the thing is, is that, look, there's always been talk about Themis for statewide office. There's no doubt about that. And going back to Saffron's point, people were always hopeful that, you know, she could be a speaker. Um, look, I, I will add to all this. Don't discount the Claritus brand. The family is so well known, is so entrenched in the Valley that that support, that district is well known. And so, yeah, you could claim it's a DR thing, but I, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that that endorsement and the family support matters. Um, and so uh, that, that, that's significant. 
even in a district race like this one to fill her seat. Uh, by the way, going back to Stefan's point, I've always been intrigued by Orange. Um, it's one of those quirky, quirky towns. You have all these unaffiliated voters, so many of them, but they lean Republican. Mm. And as a matter of fact, secretly, are you ready for this Valley folk? There are a lot of libertarians in that town. So <laughs> like, I know, I think there's some in the Valley, I think, small L, not capital party L. So who's to say those people in orange might go towards the Republican candidate? Could be, I won't discount that because it's orange. So I'll add that to that in that district. Leslie, do you have any thoughts on uh, this particular race? I think I agree with a little bit of everything that everyone is saying. I think it's like one of the, it, it, I think it's going to be a battleground. Um, did she, I believe she ran like a like couple years ago, if, if my memory Stefan does. was saying that, yes. Yeah, she yeah. Did. She, it was about 50, about 54, 40, 45 or so. I mean, uh, it's a pretty, a lot closer than, than people might think. You look at those numbers, you look also that it's trending blue. Um, I mean, if, if lawn signs told everything, it, it, it'd be a, it's a, it shows that um, she, 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 that it's going to be a slim, whoever wins is going to be very slim. But it is definitely, um, I don't know much about it, to be quite honest with you. But I just know that Woodbridge is trending, um, is trending blue, you're seeing that. And so it makes you wonder, were like the Republicans or the individual, the voters that um, voted for, for Themis, what were they? Oh, we lost, uh, Leslie, we lost you there for a second. Uh, I did it again. Um, I was mentioning, it makes you kind of wonder where the Republicans in, in, in that, in those air, in that district that, uh, Themis, um, represents if they were loyal to her because she is a brand or, or were they loyal to the Republican party? So it does leave that question, uh, out there. Um, so I definitely think it's one of those battlegrounds. I don't okay. think she carried Woodbridge last time, so I don't think she has has that grip on Woodbridge. Okay, let's uh, let's. Does anyone else want to add anything, or do you want to move on? We're at the. I'll add to that. Mary, I think Mary won. Mary won Woodbridge pretty comfortably last time around. I'm looking at the numbers right now. She won mm -hmm. by about 500 votes. Yeah, I, 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 much I, about it. <laughs> me neither. I, I want to add Leslie's point. I think the thing is, is that look. Themis is both. Uh, yes, Republican leader and official, but also at the same time has a brand. There's, there's, it's a little bit of both. Heck, even some Democrats like her. You ready for this? Colin McEnroe is actually a fan of hers. Colin McEnroe. That never happened. So I'm telling you, that's why, going back to your point, Eugene, who knows, don't discount her for, for statewide office. And I'm not saying for governor. Why not U.S. Senate? Especially if, if somebody like, I don't know, Joe Biden does win. And we know the potential of Blumenthal could end up in Washington. We could have an open seat. Something to think about. Oh, this is blowing my mind now. Thank you. This is like adrenaline going through my veins here. All right, we're going to move on to the House District 105, which I think uh, Stefan is, is is a little familiar with. This is where, and, and let me know if I'm getting these numbers right. I, I get the numbers of the districts uh, confused. Uh, we have incumbent state rep Nicole Claritis Dietria of Seymour being challenged by Democrat Chris Mad Dog Bowen. I actually just get, I just gave him that nickname. Is that, no, that was, I'm just kidding. Chris Bowen, a member of the Seymour Board of Selectmen, who basically, he emerged, from my perspective, the, he emerged from the pages of the Valley Indie Comment Board on Facebook, uh, was my friend on Twitter, and I, and I count him as a friend uh, in real life, and now I'm in this awkward position where he's entered the public arena. Uh, but that being said, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that uh, uh, 
uh, Nicole Clardis Dietra is a, is a major favorite uh, to win this race. Uh, and I guess Stefan is, um, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you want to look at, and you might, you guys might think maybe I'm a little, uh, I've been a little biased with some of my predictions and things like that. I'm actually working on Chris's campaign. Uh, and I, I'm pretty comfortable telling you like it is, uh, as much as a, um, you know, a brand and a name as clearest is, uh, in the 114th, I would say it's triply so in the 105th. When you think back to uh, the Claritas supermarket days, one was right in the middle of Seymour. Uh, that plaza still holds the Claritas name. Everybody knows somebody or did work at that store for a long time. They also had another store in Derby, also in our district. Um, so you, you look at all of that, and it's never going to be easy to defeat a Claritas in this area. Um, with that said, uh, we did not run a credible campaign against her last time around. So any data that, that could be gleaned from 2018 is uh, in, inconclusive, in my opinion, but she did win about two to one. Um, you know, I think that we will certainly narrow that gap this time around. How much is, is yet to be seen? Um, you know, Chris, if, if nothing else, is a pretty fierce worker. He has, uh, he has not had any sort of perception problem on knocking doors. He's been on doors every day since July, like literally every day. Um, so we, we've, we've done a, a tremendous amount of uh, voter contact, which is the most important thing in, in these kind of races. Uh, with that said, the it's, Hey, if you won, it would be, it would be a major upset and everybody kind of knows that. Um, but you know, if he, if he's able to keep it within 10 points or so, that would, that would be considered uh, pretty impressive by a lot of people, I think. And, uh, one thing, uh, Chris and the campaign, it hasn't gotten negative at all. I mean, he's pretty much out there and he's said as much. I don't know if some of the, if, if I'm seeing filtered Facebook posts from him or Twitter or where, I don't know where I'm seeing these things, but he's pretty much said uh, he's, he's not going to win. Uh, but he, you know, he's in it for sort of the experience and just to get some ideas uh, out there. Uh, is, am I right there, Stefan? Is that, yeah, anytime. Well, I, I don't necessarily agree with the characterization where he doesn't think there's any way he could win. I, I think there's, there's a, a rem- him, I think there, there's a possibility, however remote that he could win. But with that said, um, we, we have very intentionally and uh, very steadfastly refused to go negative, uh, to her credit. Nicole has, has done the same. However, there's, there's some, uh, you know, pretty, I don't, I don't want to use the words I'd like to use to describe some of our, uh, our RTC counterparts in this town, but they're um, underhanded, perhaps. They've done some uh, very dirty things, and uh, it's not going to be soon forgotten. Uh, with that said, the, the, from the campaigns themselves, uh, if anything, my advice to Chris that's fallen on deaf ears the most is to you know, be a little bit critical of your opponent sometimes. He's, uh, he's been a little too uh, congenial. Um, but... To, to that to that point, you know, we're we're friendly with Nicole. We we don't have big personal problems with Nicole. Um, you know, we I disagree with a lot of the votes that she's taken in Hartford. I think that she's you know she doesn't understand some of the positions she takes, in my opinion. But that's to be uh, expected. But by and large, I, I think she, you know, she's not the worst thing around. Has Chris kind of gone rogue here in terms of? I saw he uploaded his own campaign video. Uh, where he advocated for nuclear energy in, in in the valley, and in that video, he basically said, "My, you know, my political uh, slicksters, uh, I've pushed to the uh, to the to the uh, side." Am I reading into that, or uh, he's gone off the farm? 
That's that's family business, um, but it's not directed at anybody who is uh, working on his campaign, me included. Everything that he has done has been um, in concert with the people who work for him now. Okay. Does anybody else have anything to share about uh, this particular race? I do. I have a lot. I'm going to counter out on at least. I, I, a lot of great points. This is one race I've been following. Um, look, I'll confess, uh, Nicole and I are, are friends. Um, we've gotten along very well from the beginning a few years ago. Uh, I admire her a lot. And as a matter of fact, quite frankly, uh, I guess it shouldn't surprise you all, I've shouted her a lot as well. Um, you know, anytime I go to the Valley, I usually give her a call, I shoot her a text, she'll show up to meetings every time in the district, like I'm amazed. Her schedule, I, I've been really taken back. She's flexible, she wants to talk to people, she engages with people. I've gone to um, see more meetings with her, a couple of them. Um, I've certainly gone to the inauguration meetings in the Valley. She showed up to every inauguration meeting in the Valley with me. I, and, and then she knows everyone. Um, and it's not so much as a Republican thing. It goes back to Leslie's point. She knows the Democrats. And I'm like, okay, why do you get along with Democrats? Like, how is this happening? And so it gets to the congenial point that, that Stefan brought out. Um, she is an anomaly, but she's the Valley. Um, she gets along not so much with both sides, but she recognizes and being pragmatic, you have to. And in order to get support for her to get reelection, in order for her to get proposals through even in the General Assembly, you have to. So she is terribly pragmatic. But the one thing I really appreciate about her, she's under the radar. She's not like her sister, where she's getting all the clug likes and the attention. Um, Nicole is very understated, uh, knows some of the finer details. Her network is amazing. And uh, I, I let me tell you something. I study politicians for a living. I don't like politicians. I really don't. No offense, Stefan. I know you were one. Uh, you guys just turned me off. You should follow my Twitter if you if you think that you wouldn't like my uh I'm trying to find politician you. leadings. I just followed you. I just followed you. The yeah. Bahuniac. The Bahuniac. Okay, because I, I love Twitter, so I'm gonna follow you back. Although I have to tell you, I tend to be a bit puckish um on Twitter. So don't I, I'm uh I, I'm pretty familiar with your Twitter page. Oh dear. All right. So I not tend, a bad way. Not in a bad way. I tend to cause a lot of trouble, Leslie, fair warning. Um so and and, and Eugene knows how I act on, on Twitter. It's my alter ego. Um, but the thing is, is that she's good at this. And so for me, uh, I don't like politicians. Uh, a lot of friends of mine in the Valley, including Kurt Miller, beat me up. Kurt Miller used to beat me up saying, nobody, Doc, does not like anyone, which is true. I don't. I didn't even want to work for Kurt Cam Miller's campaign. <laughs> and they I could see that. It's Kurt Miller. I mean, he's, you know. But you can have a beer no, with kidding. him, and he's a great guy. And yeah, I ended up, maybe politicians aren't so bad. I felt the same way about Nicole. I was ready to write her off. I thought politicians stink. They're the worst people in the world. This is why I teach and why I don't like politicians. And I meet someone like Nicole. I'm like, you know one thing? She ain't half bad. So I think there's something about her that it resonates in the ballot. I'll give her props. And going back to Stefan's point, yes, the Claritas sister thing, the Claritas family, but you know one thing? Nicole's her own person. All right, Judy or Leslie, is there anything you wanted to add to uh, the Claritas Dicha versus Chris Bowen? I apologize for giving him the name uh, Mad Dog, but I think it's good, Stefan. Can we ran that? Sure. I, he's uh, he's definitely a unique character in politics, that's for sure. Yeah. I think I think Nicole will win pretty handily. And I, I can say for Chris, he's never for a loss of words. All right, so, Leslie. Thank you. I think that's a that's a one of the nicer things a Republican has said about him really. So thank you. I'm going to skip on this one. I don't know enough to, to put input, but if the majority says yes, then I, they would know more. It seems like they know more about the in and outs of it. So 
I'll leave it to that. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let's uh, just close it out with, uh, we'll try to go lightning round here. Uh, and Seymour, there's actually uh, two more races. Seymour has like a thousand representatives uh, in Hartford. Uh, Kevin Kelly, the state senator, uh, is running unopposed. Uh, then in Senate District 32, there's uh, Eric Berthel of Watertown. Uh, he's the incumbent Republican running against the Democrat. Jeffrey, uh, Stefan, how's he say his last name? Damaris. All right, so let's go around. Stefan, who's going to win that race? That is probably the most red district in the whole state. Uh, Berthel is kind of bumbling his way through this one in many regards, but I think that he'll, uh, he'll hold on relatively close. Closer than it normally should be for him. It is a Sorry. very red district, so I will definitely agree with that. Judy? I don't know much about it, so yeah, I'll agree too. Leslie? Likewise, I don't know much about it either. Um, so I agree with both. of them. Now I don't feel so bad for not running a press release in 11 years. I just, I think I just, I don't even, I just found out uh, he represents Seymour. Uh, all right, Congress. Oh. oh. Now I've heard some uh, from some Democrats there. I have like one or two people I check in with before we do these things and they won't go on the record, but they'll give me some little insights. And I hear Rosa DeLaurel, people are, they're slightly worried here that she's actually got a, she's in a race uh, to some extent. So uh, lightning round, Rosa DeLauro or the challenger, Margaret Stryker, Leslie. Isn't someone else running as well? Isn't it? Uh, Mar yeah, Margaret, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for correcting like me on. Keep dish pizza from Chicago, remember? That's He's right. Done. Yeah. That, uh, oh, that, I apologize. That, that Slap in the face to anybody from New Haven County. <laughs> So who are you going for? The guy I didn't mention, Leslie, just to embarrass me some more? No, no. I just want to point out, you know, no, I appreciate both that. being taken away from, from you know, so that, that, that hurts. If it's going to, for me, I'm biased in this. I will always say this. Um, Deloro, but it's going to be one of, it's going to be a very, very tight race. It's, 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 it's a hard race. I mean, um, you're seeing her out more. And um, not saying that she never did before, but I mean, you're seeing her presence more consistently. You're seeing a lot of coalitions um, every in every um, district that she does, rep every city that she represents. So she's not taking it for granted, which is great. And she's done, a, to me, she's done a great job representing Connecticut. She's moderate. And I think, and that's really what, what, what like to me resonates with her that she takes, she does the work, um, and the things that, and the issues that are important, she takes a stand in the things that she feels like um, shouldn't. She, she, she doesn't, she, she doesn't worry about it. She's a worker. She's a worker, a worker bee. So we'll, we'll see where it goes, to be honest. And uh, I just, I, I, I want to apologize. It's Justin uh, Paglino, as uh, everyone pointed out. And just, it's Justin for all. Uh, org. If you want to learn more about uh, the Green Party candidate, which I probably uh, he's on our he's on the Valley Indy in our in election previews. So sorry, that was my bad. Jonathan Wharton, who's going to win this race? Well, I think Justin's probably going to get a single digit results. It's not going to be maybe a double digit, but I will say that uh, certainly you know Stryker will eat away more and more compared to what Angel attempted to do the last time. Um, look, I will give the benefit of the doubt the incumbent, because one thing I know Leslie kind of overlooked, I wouldn't quite call, you know, Rosa DeLauro a, a centrist or a moderate. She's more of an old school Democrat. You all, I'll call her an established Democrat. She's been around since 1991. Uh, you know, people who are the Bernie bros out there. Um, but look, I will say to point to that, guess what? 
there's a lot of internal rumbling within the Democratic Party of how many years is too many years. Mm. Uh, and you all know that a lot of Democrats have been chomping at the bit to see can there be a real change, not just with the third district, Rosa DeLauro seat, but any of these seats. We forget that Courtney, Larson, they've been in office for years, decades. So at what point are they going to let up? And I don't think they will. That's kind of our Connecticut delegation right now. So it's more of a generational divide among the Democrats. Uh, so you can say Republican Democrat. I think it's a Democrat Democrat debate that the party needs to figure out one day. One day. Stefan. Um, yeah, this is the first candidate that she's had to run against who's taking it seriously in quite a while. Um, just so happens that she's a terrible candidate, and um, Rosa will will win, but it's not going to be to the usual twenty points or so. It's it's it'll be a little closer, and that'll be mostly because of the. Uh, the Trump town turnouts, I think. Judy. Uh, I think DeRosa will take it, but and I do think it'll be close within 10 points, worst case, maybe even a little closer. Uh, I would disagree that uh, about her qualifications. I think she's an excellent candidate. And getting Rosa was out of practice. Uh, as Leslie said, she is out. I mean, she's out in her district. No question about it, but she had, didn't have to uh, really fight. For quite a, I think the, the lowest she's ever had is 65%. So, yeah. So it's going to be close. Margaret's just getting started, I think. It's getting revved hmm. up. In, Rose, in, Rose's, in Rose's defense, in past years, uh, she's been out in Seymour quite often. I can't speak for other towns, but uh, more often than I would have expected, given how comfortably she usually wins. I would agree with you. I would, I would piggyback on that and say she's been in, and when I lived in Ansonia and Durban, she was out there. I, mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to um, take away from her effort. I just, I'm saying that there's more coal, there's, you're seeing more coalitions and more eagerness to get it, the, it out than usual, but her presence has always been um, shared. I don't know how she does it. I don't like going throughout the district and, and doing it and also being a strong advocate out in in Washington she does share one like a big <laughs> committee so kudos to her for 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 doing what she is doing and and still meeting um constituents and I think like that's that's that touch that Dolores has she shows that she's a public servant that she's a leader and she's a fighter well that's um, the bread and butter you all you guys know constituent services has been her thing there's no secret to it that's yeah and that's big you keep both like that <laughs> Decades. And of course, I, I won't discount the fact that she's chomping at the bit to become chairwoman of the Appropriations Committee, which is the, the most powerful committee in the House of Representatives. There's no doubt. So she could bring the bacon home, you know, and, and she has, at least in the district. But I'm still waiting to see what does it mean among the Democrats within that caucus, because we know there are a lot of people who are waiting in the wings, including, by the way, Gary Winfield, among other people. You guys all know that. That's no secret. Don't mm. a Democrat to realize that. Okay. It'll be a very interesting primary when the time comes. <laughs> Last Scott, one. I love it. Last one is the big one, U.S. president. I'm just curious, is this, is it the COVID referendum? Is that what we're going to see? So, uh, Trump or Joe Biden? Judy, who's going to win this nationally? Trump, of course. Trump. Trump. No doubt in your mind. No doubt in my mind. He Leslie? will take it. And by more than he did in 2016. Leslie? Ah, uh, goodness. I will be honest. This is one of those things that I do lose sleep. I think that a lot of his policies have affected 
a lot of a lot of people um particularly me I will speak as an immigrant it affects us a lot and um I think that the positive light about this is that we're seeing a surge of civic civic engagement of new voters uh and ones that have have really um have been taken for granted that have been disengaged and so and I find it really um I was reading something I find it really interesting how like how Trump's um, campaign has been targeting more um, black voters and Biden has been going more for the Latino voters. So it kind of, it's one of those conversations where like, who's gonna, you know, so we'll see, we'll definitely see. I am, I don't have a prediction. I really, really don't, but I definitely see that it's brought a lot of civic engagement and whatever comes out, we'll see a better reflection of what our our nation needs but i definitely can tell you that our nation does is is seeking a leader with unity and um and that's a big thing it's it's lacking and you can and you can tell and it's trickling down like i said in the municipalities too so we're feeling more of the direct effect especially with the with the how covid was handled jonathan wharton um, well, what I've been saying to my students over and over again is that it's going to come down to turnout in specific states. We all know this. And so uh, Connecticut shouldn't be a concern, but it should be the other states. And I'm looking more towards Georgia now, obviously Florida, North Carolina. Uh, I'm not so really concerned about Ohio and Pennsylvania. So in Texas, it's interesting. So it's, you know, Arizona and even Nevada. But I think it's really those, those three or four states I just mentioned earlier. Um, I think it's going to come into lawsuits. I think this is going to continue on beyond election night. I think this is going to go on for days and it's going to be lawsuits and lawyers and more lawyers. It's going to be like a Gore, you know, the, the Gore versus Bush business all over again. So I, I wish I could say it could be one over the other, but I think Biden's going to get that. I will put an asterisk behind this. I think you all have heard that the voter turnout, especially when young people, has, has grown more. In the past, it's been anywhere rubbing around 40, 40% in a presidential race. Don't ask me about municipal races. You guys all know this is in teens among people under 30. You all know that. We all follow the stats. The Harvard University put together a poll apparently this week that came out that over 60% are planning to turn out who are under 30. That could be tremendous in favor towards Biden, but we don't know how many of those are really maybe even Trump supporters. So I would not discount Trump in terms of getting the younger people to even show up too. Stefan Bahuniak. Uh, going uh, up till about a month ago, I thought Trump would win. Um, I thought he would win relatively comfortably. I think uh, by the popular vote, Biden is going to win by five to eight points. I, I think it's going to be a relative blowout by the popular vote. And I think that in the end, it's going to come down to, um, you know, either like Michigan or Wisconsin. I think Trump will hold everything from North Carolina down. I think Texas won't be that close. Everybody's saying Texas and Georgia are going to, you know, this is the year we go blue. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Biden holds the Southwest. Um, and I think one of those Midwest states, I think a couple of them are going to go for Biden as opposed to last time around. And then one of them is going to be the tipping point uh, to the professor's point. It's it's going to end in lawsuits, um, and which is ironic because we probably wouldn't have to be dealing with that had Trump just handled his business with COVID and not been a bumbling disaster the entire time. Um, so I think he's going to kind of make his own bed and, and hopefully he has to sleep in it. But I, I would predict Biden by about 10 to, to 15 uh, electoral points. All right. That's the broadcast. I want to thank you all so much. 
uh, for coming on. I had a ball doing this. And like I said earlier, uh, I learned a lot because you guys are the experts and I'm just the guy with the website. So uh, hopefully we can uh, do this again uh, one of these days. But for uh, the Valley Indie, I want to thank uh, Leslie and I want to thank Jonathan and Judy and Stefan Bohuniak. And, uh, and that's a wrap, folks. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you everybody else, too. Great talk. Have a good one. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care.